It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 108. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to our podcast. This week on the Go Gopher Podcast, I'm absolutely thrilled and humbled to be joined by the legendary John Anderson, Gopher baseball coach who's entering his 49th and final season with the Minnesota Gopher program. John joined the Gophers as a player back in 1974 and never left. He worked his way from player to student manager to assistant coach and then on to being the legendary head coach that he is. He's won more baseball games than any coach in Big Ten history and his final season will start on Friday at a tournament event in Arizona. I can't wait for you to hear from the man they call 14 on this week's Go Gopher podcast. Our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. You can get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union is also one of our big sponsors here on the Go Gopher podcast. Life math is complicated and Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union makes it easier with local financial experts available to help in person or virtually. Learn more at affinityplus.org slash go gophers. Always glad to talk about Affinity Plus. They get headed toward the polar plunge season here. Keep an eye out on how you can help make a difference for Special Olympics Minnesota with help from Affinity Plus. We're podcasting episode 108 from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We invite you to subscribe to the Go Gopher podcast. It's free to subscribe and free to listen at any time thanks to our sponsors. Last episode, for example, you can go back and listen. We had a terrific conversation with Gopher softball coach Piper Ritter, whose team started its season last weekend in San Diego. You can go back and listen to that one. This episode, we're talking gopher baseball with the legend John Anderson joins me next. I'm Clay Geary, walk-on, turn scholarship, wide receiver for gopher football. And I'm Ben Utech, U of M alumni, Super Bowl champion, and Tony Dungy Uncommon Award winner. We understand championship culture, which is why we're part of the True North family of companies. True North invests in only elite teams, like the champion team at Sunbelt Business Advisors, Minnesota's largest seller of companies. To learn more about True North and our diverse family of independently owned companies, visit truenorthequitypartners.com. It's episode 108, the Go Gopher podcast. It's our pleasure to welcome John Anderson, the legendary Golden Gopher baseball coach, back to the show. And coach, great to see you. You as well, Mike. Uh, time goes by quickly here. Yeah. You know, embarking on another season. Here we are, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it goes quickly. And uh, all the work and preparation that goes into getting started. And we've had a great uh, fall and winter. I would think in recent memory anyway, probably one of the better falls and winter practices we've had in terms of we had great weather in the fall. We've had a group of guys that have had a growth mindset, been very coachable. They want to grow and learn and get better. And Culture's been strong, and uh, it had zero problems in terms of level of commitment. So, uh, from that standpoint, all the intangibles—they've been—they've been good. And uh, probably most importantly, we're 
the healthiest we've been in probably the last 12 months. We went through a rash of injuries, especially on the pitching side last year. And uh, although we had a setback the other day, that's been that's disappointing. Uh, Noah Rooney, who probably was going to be our closer, left-handed pitcher, had to shut down the last few weeks of the season last year with a bicep tendon issue and rehabbed all summer and all fall and was back throwing the ball extremely well, 93-94. And... Uh, Really a guy on our staff you'd hate to lose, and uh, he's uh, just uh, had another tweak and different part of his arm, and so we're going to have to wait uh, two or three weeks here to see if we can rehab him at all. If not, he'll probably end up in the surgery room and miss mm-hmm. the whole season. So him and then Joe Hauser, another important guy in our bullpen, got hurt last March and got healthy, went in the summer league, had another injury, and then getting him back on the mound uh, this winter, he... Uh, uh, late last fall in December, he uh, he blew out his knee and now has knee surgery. So, two key guys in the bullpen, but we'll, uh, we'll we do have some depth on the pitching side, and we'll have to get through those two guys and uh, find some people to replace them. Yeah, you guys open with an event down in Arizona, Oregon State, one of those teams, and we certainly want to uh, preview that here in a minute. We'll ask you about you know what the Big Ten looks like as it shakes down, and it's um, it's year forty three for you, and of course you made that announcement earlier uh, in the. Uh, academic year that um, this would be your final year as the head coach of the program you've uh, been a part of since 1974. It's pretty amazing when you think about it, right? 49 years and came in as a, a youngster uh, from what, Nashwaukee Watton High Nash- School? Nashwaukee Watton High School, yeah. up on the Iron Range. It's lunch amazing. Bucket, lunch bucket and the hard hat guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, tell people I I didn't do an eighth grade career paper on being a Division One baseball coach for sure. Um, matter of fact, my mom, uh, I did it on being a priest uh, at the urging of my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? No kidding. <laughs> so uh, I didn't get too far off that because there's some there's some things that you do as a coach that relate to uh, preaching and mentoring and yeah. helping people find their way and some of those things. Probably but, hear a few confessions uh, over the years, right? A few confessions along the way. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's surreal. You know, it's 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 bittersweet when I find myself reflecting a little bit more and you know, how did this all happen? How did it all come together? And uh, I believe that there's some fate involved, right? And right place, right time. Um, but uh, yeah, incredible journey. Um, never would have, you know, thought that this was where I'd be. This fall would have been 50 years on the campus. And uh, uh, that in itself, to be able to stay at one place for that long yeah. doesn't happen very often. But uh, again, I've been blessed. It's been an honor and privilege to wear the M. And be a part of this historic program, the oldest sports program at the University of Minnesota, go for baseball. And and if you think about it, there's only been four coaches in 90 years. So That's you incredible. talk about stability and leadership. And then the chief, Dick Siebert, George Thomas, and I, we're all connected. And Frank McCormick was before the chief. So we're all connected. George and I and chief are all connected. So I think there's been uh, those connections uh, have maintained through the players that they have coached and the alumni that played in those programs. And so because of, of the connection between the three of us. And so, yeah, crazy stuff, but uh, uh, quite a journey. And I, I will cherish the wonderful relationships I've built with so many former players, alumni, people in the community, other colleagues in the game, um, you know, uh, people I've met through the game and uh, uh, those memories and experiences and and, and, and the fondness for the times we spent together will be the most important thing that I'll take with me. Think about you were 26 years old when you got hired as a head coach. I'm not sure that happens in today's 
the way things are done today with administration and different things, right? No, that, that wouldn't happen today. I mean, I had no head coaching experience, and people ask me all the time. Uh, you know, I, I said, and it's probably accurate, Paul Gill was the athletic director. He was an All-American in baseball, one of our most decorated athletes in the history of Gopher Athletics, yeah. as a runner-up for the Heisman Trophy, and, you know, um, from Winona, Minnesota, of course. And, uh, you know, um, I tell people all the time, uh, actually the summer of 81, I was— George Thomas and I, when George took over after the chief passed away in the fall of 78, George was going to be the head coach a few years earlier because the mandatory retirement age was 65. And so George used to head up the old, uh, called the Williams Fund, which would be the Golden Gopher Fund. Yeah. And they said, um, you know, we got to bring somebody in, in a year in advance to take over the Williams Fund. And so, George, why don't you go work on the outside and sales and coach? And then when the chief retires, you'll become the full-time coach. And they didn't have a position, um, a full-time position, I guess, in, in that regard. So that's what happened. And then they changed the retirement age uh, when chief was 65 that year. And uh, I think that was three years earlier. And so George had gone to the outside, and then chief passes away. And then Paul says, George, why don't you just continue to work on the outside and do it part-time? I was a graduate assistant. I was selling air freight for Emory Air Freight as part-time. And we both stayed on as part-time and worked on the outside and tried to run a baseball program. And I think that that, that, that got old for George uh, yeah. after three years, and he just decided I can't do this any longer. And I was going to get out that summer because for the same reason, I'm, you know, I, I can't do both things. I got to get out with my life. Emory was getting tired of me doing both. They offered me a multinational sales position, and and then George calls me in the August, late July, early August of '81. Says I'm leaving. I recommended you to Paul Giel. Paul Giel calls me up. We have a conversation. He said, I've seen a lot in you. I know you've been around the program, but really, honestly, I was available and cheap. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really what it comes down to. Oh, my goodness, yeah. They, they, Paul, didn't, they weren't the money that you have from the Big Ten TV network and all the yeah. different sources today. I mean, he was out speaking every night for nickels, dimes, and quarters. Funny story. One time I told him, we need new uniforms, Paul. Our pants got holes in them, so on and so forth. Can you help me out? Early in, early in my career, you know, probably 83 or so, somewhere in there. And he pulled out his drawer and he says, well, I got $600 down here from speaking this week. Can you use this to buy some uniforms? So, and I continued to work on the outside and coach the team. And, uh, you know, I was 26. Um, I had three Steinbach brothers on that team, Terry, Tom, and Timmy. And Timmy was a uh, transferred from River Falls where he played hockey and baseball. And he was like 23. <laughs> and I was 26. So there wasn't a big separation in age here. Yeah, yeah. And, and no head coaching experience. And I'll be honest with you. It was scary um, early on. I mean, I didn't. The history and tradition is daunting, kind of haunchy at times. I don't want to be responsible for screwing it up, right? And... Um, so off we went, and uh, fortunately, we came back after being about 500 most of the year and had to win seven of our last eight games to get in the Big Ten tournament. We were in divisions back then, and then lost the first game of the tournament, came back to lose bracket, won the league. We were Big Ten champions, and I, there was critics that year, Mr. Hartman, Sid Hartman. Oh, he, 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 he thought I was too young, and they, Paul should get rid of me, and... And I think, uh, what was his name, Riley, Don Riley over in St. Paul was pretty critical. And I matter of fact, we lost a doubleheader to Iowa um, in 82. And and uh, Dwayne Banks had come over, the coach at Iowa, afterwards and said, John, I was a young coach and it was first few years were difficult. And I remember losing a doubleheader to Minnesota and Dick 
the chief came over, put his arm around me and said, hey, Dwayne, you're going to be a good coach. Stay with it. And Dwayne did the same for me. And that was important. Then that night, Paul Gio called me at home and said, I know you're getting criticized. You're going to be my coach. Just uh, keep grinding away. And, and I think that first team and those guys hanging in there and playing for us and, 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 and continue to play out the season and winning that championship, I think, gave me some confidence that maybe I could do this. And so then in 85, I told Paul, I either got to be full time or yeah. People were coming in here to recruit because there's so much success in this program with the Minnesota student-athlete, and I just said, I can't do both. I can't do the program justice, the kids justice, and so that's when we made the move to full-time, and I think my salary went up from 15000 to 25000 <laughs> and I convinced my longtime assistant, Rob Fornasier. Yeah, great, great uh, guy. He was with yeah. me for 33 years to come over from Normandale for about 15000 and uh, so we got together, and uh, off we went, and... Uh, uh, hard to believe that uh, uh, time has gone bad that quickly. Wow. So 15000 I was reading an article this week. Kevin O'Sullivan at Florida just signed a new deal. I think it's $1.84 million a year as the head baseball coach at Florida. So times have changed a little bit. A few years ago, I read an article that uh, I think it was probably during the pandemic, somewhere in there, 2021. There were, there were eight college coaches making more than 10 major league managers at the time. Mostly SEC, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So it just tells you where the game is shifting. Tells you where it's and, going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, remember the Twins lost the pitching coach, uh, Wes Johnson, right? Because he's left Major League money. Baseball. Left he made more money. Made, made more a pitching money coach to... at LSU. Yeah. And now, is he yeah. the head coach now someplace? He's at Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you're right. Times have changed. And, uh, you know, the North and the South and all that stuff is still uh, is still you know, a, a theme maybe in, in, in college baseball. We don't have time to probably go clear down that path at some point. We, we maybe can. Um, why was now the time, do you think, for you? What uh, what uh, went into all of the decision-making there? You know, it's not something I think you just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to retire. You know, yeah. I, I've always said I didn't want to stay too long. I don't, I've seen people stay too long when they really aren't making an impact or don't have the energy or the passion to do it any longer. So I've paid attention to that. Um you know, so um, and then also the pandemic was a really difficult time for everybody and what we went through and the games we lost and the shutdowns and all the things that happened. This wasn't a normal time there for two or three years. And and I just didn't want to walk out the door and the kids then I think if they needed some leadership, they needed some support. But, uh, you know, it's been on my mind. There's never a good time. It's always going to impact others, whether it's current players in the team whether it's people you recruited, whether it's your assistant coaches, there's, it's, it's always, whatever year you do it, mm-hmm. it's always going to impact somebody. You know, I'm going to be 69 in May. Um, my dad passed away just short 75th birthday, you know, has some friends and people that have been sick or passed away and you start looking at it and, you know, I've been on this treadmill for a long time. Um, and, um, you know, I felt like the program, we've gotten it back to the baseline. I think we're more used to here after coming out of the pandemic and getting our roster back together, getting some experience, had a couple of good recruiting classes in a row. So I just felt like um, now was the time. And, uh, you know, there's other things I want to do. My wife and I, we want to do some traveling. Our daughter lives in Denver, you know, want to spend more time with her. I want to reconnect some of my hobbies and connect with some lifelong friends and spend more time with family and friends. I don't think I'll be bored at all. So, you know, it's it's bittersweet. Yeah. There's never a good time. Um, but I think it's the right time uh, for me. 
And uh, to do it now before the season, um, was that just to get help everybody in terms of the planning? You know, yeah. I wanted the players to be able to digest it. I yeah. didn't. And after the season, there's so much emotion from just the season ending and the whole, the parts that come with that. And I wanted the kids to have a chance over a break. And I told them in the middle of December before they went home for break, I wanted them a chance to, to process it all. I told them in the, in the meeting when I talked to them, I don't want this to be about me and my last run around the bases. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the people that, you know, want to um, uh, support me in, in, in my last year. But I told them, this is about you. This is your team. This is the 2024 Golden Gopher baseball team. And um, this, I want to put my energy and effort in trying to help you have the best possible season you can and experience. And so I don't just be about winning another one for, you know, the Gipper or whatever. Let's just, let's make it about them. And so I felt like I, I, need, I wanted to get it out there. I wanted everybody to process it. I was tired of answering the question, to be perfectly honest with you, about when you're going to retire. So, and I had made my mind up. My wife and I had talked, and I had made my mind up, and my daughter, Erin, I'd made my mind up this was going to be the last year, and I just felt like, well, let's do it now. Yeah. Let's get it out there. I have to answer the questions all season long and the speculation and uh, get everybody an opportunity to process it and uh, and move ahead. And I think the guys have done a really good job of that. I think we're through the emotional part of that. Um, and I think now we can just focus on playing baseball in the season. As I said, I'm going to try to bring my best self, self every day and try to help these guys have a good good year. Yeah, in terms of that, um, to, to make it, as you mentioned, about the, the players, because certainly guys like me and other people in, in my profession are going to ask you about it even as the season moves on. It's, uh, you, you know, you're hitting it head on here. But um, how do you as a coach try to, one, stay energized in this time uh, to get this team to play like you want them to play and let standard of go for baseball and then also try to shift the focus onto the team? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I think um, it's going to be important. Uh, we have a really challenging schedule. The first 22 games on the road with no U.S. Bank Stadium, which is really yeah. disappointing. Um, that's a challenge in itself. Um, we went through that when the dome collapsed. I think that was what in 12, maybe 11 or 12, whenever that was, 12 maybe. And that's it's a daunting uh, just in terms of the travel, changing time zones, getting home back here. You play on Sundays, you don't get back to campus till one, two o'clock in the morning. The day off, a couple of days to rest, recover, practice, and then Thursday you're gone. You lose a whole pl- day of player development time, practice time every week. So, yeah, I've thought about that. I'm really going to have to do a good job, number one, for myself, rest, recovery. Um, I really want to bring my best self, and uh, I think I've, uh, I'm preparing myself for that as best I can. And, um, you know, like as I said, my focus isn't going to be on me and my last year. My focus is going to be what can I do to make this team the best possible team it can be, and, and we can have the best year, and they can have a great experience. You know, the program's been about stability, Look at, you know, four head coaches in 90 years. So there's a little instability right now because nobody knows who the next coach is going to be and what that's going to look like. Some of the kids, obviously, they got careers. I'm sure there's their thoughts that are going along about what's going to happen here long term, who's going to be the coach. And uh, I think my job is going to be to try to keep them away from trying to worry about what's ahead of them and try to stay focused day to day on trying to win today. And that's be our very best today and let's learn and grow through the season the rest of that will take care of itself and then people can make their own decisions on what they want to do based on who the new leaders here so i think that's going to be my biggest challenge is to keep people from looking down the road too far we got a we got a difficult run here in the first 22 games and 
we're going to have to have our attention and focus on, on on our team and what we need to do to get better and grow and compete and 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 uh, try to have a good year. Yeah, and as you mentioned that, not to get too far down the road, I'm going to ask you a question about too far down the road here. Um, do you? How much do you want to have a say in who will be John Anderson's successor? Do you think you'll get some say in that, or you want to leave that to the administration? Or I mean, it's your program for you know 50 years here. Yeah, Mark Coyle and I and Peyton Owens, who's our my direct report, we've talked and discussed and. I think they'll they, they have to have a national search. That's university policy. They have to go through the, all the processes that come with that, and then um, they'll obviously take a look at the candidate pool and some of those things. And I've been told I'll be a part of trying to look at uh, some of the options there. So they they have indicated I'll be part of that process and uh, try to help and be a part of that. And obviously, the program I've spent my whole life here, my whole working life here, it means a great deal to me. Um, obviously, and I'd like to see there be the the, uh, the right leadership in place going forward. Um, college baseball has so changed dramatically. Um, the skill sets you need to coach today versus what I needed when I started are completely different. I've had to adapt and change a lot along the way. I think today in the in in in, in this day and age, the analytics piece, the science piece, the data piece, uh, the human body and the kinetic chain, all the things that you pull out of the data and the high-speed video to, to teach and, and, and help people become more, uh, more efficient at their skills, um, you have to have backgrounds uh, in, in, in those spaces. We're in the deep in those spaces. And so you got to find somebody that, number one, can understand how to coach the athlete today using the technology and the things you have available. You can collect data until the cows come home, but you got to know what to do with it. Yeah. And, and, and some people can use the data. Some players can do a better job of using the data. Some people don't want a lot of data. Some are field learners, right? And so I think the skill set you're looking for and then take all the other forces that play the transfer portal and NIL and all the other things we're faced with today. So I think the skill set you got to look at today just in terms of recruiting and teaching and developing a team and having a competitive team really has expanded Beyond just knowing the X's and O's and how to teach somebody to feel Whether the ground ball. Whether or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How to put together a good at bad. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the things you're using in player development today yeah. have dramatically changed. And if you're not in those spaces, kids come that you're recruiting, they want to know, where's your track man? Where's your hit tracks? Where's your high-speed video? Wow. Uh, what are you guys doing? We have to put together presentations and, and show them the things we can do to help them uh, improve their, their skill set in their game, try to help them be a dominant player at this level and maybe play at the next level. So all those pieces are in play, and you have to have people that are efficient in being able to utilize the technology and then be able to take the data and help players develop and get better. And I think that's what you're looking for. How has it changed, too, from uh, – I'll just use this as an example because it's my own personal experience, but the change from, uh, you know, kids, particularly in Minnesota, that maybe played high school and some Legion ball and weren't maybe exposed. And now um, you've got these club – teams now and and I'll use the Minnesota Mash just as an example. My son, I remember we first started this had to be 2010, 2011. A couple of former gophers in fact are part of that. We're we're in like two cages in this crummy little building in Burnsville and they're doing great instruction for my 10 and 11 year old or 10 and 11 12 year old son as they work up through and now they've just opened I don't know 
multi-million dollar thing that has a couple of fields and this data, right? You're getting data maybe from potential prospective recruits, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, velocity, exit velocity, arm strength, launch speed, angles, launch right, angle, right. horizontal um, and vertical movement, spin rates, all, all yeah. the things that come with it. Yeah. How And, the, and now the, the, the blizzard and uh, well, we Mike Kwasnicka has some, right? I mean, all these guys have a club team and how does, how has that changed what you do as a college coach now? Well, I think that's where the kids get, uh, first of all, exposed to the technology, right? Yeah. And uh, and now there's these traveling teams. These kids travel to these big showcases all over the country. So recruiting has become not going to watching just Legion yeah. or high school games anymore because yeah. the best kids in Minnesota are playing in these traveling programs. They're playing all over the country. And so they're – it's it's much easier to recruit the whole country if you want to today because you can go to these big showcase events. And then plus they record all the data, all the metrics and all the kids. They get posted. The kids have access. I can sit in the office and say, I'm looking for a left-handed pitcher that's 6'5", you know, throws somewhere 89 to 92, has a certain GPA, academic requirements. He'll pick Pull up a number of guys. You can find them. You can find them, yeah. <laughs> you can find them. You can go to the showcases. You can sit online and watch a showcase. Um, and so that's changed, you know. So if, if you know, let's say Florida is going to recruit a Minnesota kid, they don't come to Minnesota and watch a high school game. Yeah. You know, they're going to these showcases. They're going to Atlanta where and the kid calling, might they're, play. And they're yeah. calling, the, they're calling the, 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 the MASH coach, sure. right? Right? There's some of the yeah. other club the, 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 the club people here, yeah. and, and, and they're calling those people up and asking them about them, and they're, they're – you call the high school coaches down and say, what are you calling me for? He's yeah. got a, you know, his club coach or his advisor. coach. Yeah, 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 the whole thing. So that's where recruiting, uh, you know, really you, changed. So, Do you think in a weird way, like for a lot of your tenure, I'm sure the Floridas and the Georgias and the Kentuckys or whoever the world didn't care about Minnesota kids. And you were able, hey, this kid from Edina or Lakeville or Forest Lake or wherever, pretty good kid comes in, um, probably had the skill to play. But now those kids not only are – you know, hey, yeah, they can play at Minnesota, but they're going, as we mentioned, to these national tournaments, and all of a sudden, Florida or whoever, I'm just using that as it was brought up, but hey, that kid's throwing 94 or 96, and all of a sudden, instead of you being able to, you know, be the only guy maybe that's, I'm not saying you, it was easy, it's a, you know, it was a grind, the whole thing, but has that changed that, that part of it a little too? No question. Yeah, yeah that's changed uh, completely now. And uh, so, and I, again, I think what happens is the Southern schools that have the beautiful stadiums and play all the home games and the coaches are getting paid $1.8 million. <laughs> yeah. I think that's evidence of commitment. Yeah. Um, they come to Minnesota because of the climate and the weather, right? Yeah. They try to sell weather and come to the SEC or the ACC yeah. and we go to the College World Series and and get out of the cold. And so they use our footprint against us in recruiting sure. and they have the built-in advantage when we're going to play 18 home games this year, okay? Yeah. There's going to be schools that are going to play 40 home games. Yeah. Um, and so that's what you're up against. And so when your best kids are being exposed every summer across the country and they know well, we can go into Minnesota and, you know, we can sell the weather and our stadium and we go to the College World Series and you know, all the things that they have going. I mean, people are building these uh, stadiums for 70, 80, 90 million dollars and adding to them. And um, and so th- Kids in high school, that's, you know, that's going to be impactful. And um, it's not like it used to be. And so that's what you're up against. And now throw NIL money in there. Mm -hmm. And now you got the transfer portal to deal with on top of it. I mean, LSU won the national baseball championship last year, and they had $100,000 in NIL money in their team. 
They recruit yeah. all these guys out of the portal. They look around, find the best players. All these kids know each other. They play in summer leagues against each other. They travel circuit together or played against each other. And, uh, hey, there's a good shortstop at Minnesota, and somebody know him. Can sure. you get a hold of him? Tell him to go in the portal. We got money, and uh, we want to build a team and win the national championship. And that's what LSU did. They built a team through the transfer portal with NIL money. They got the number one pitcher in the draft, the, the Senes, Sinus Senes kid. They got out of uh, Air Force, gave him $100,000, left Air Force. Could leave bef- After two years, you can leave, get out of your commitment, went there, and he's number one pick in the draft. Yeah. And uh, so you're faced with that as well. And what's going to happen some of the mid-majors, especially schools in the northern part of the country like us, if Max Meyer was available today, who was a freshman All-American in 2018, yeah. who was the third pick in the draft, right? If there was NILs then. He'd walk in my office and say, I got 10 deals here. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got for me? Yeah. We recruited Max on 33% of a scholarship. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, Max liked it here. I don't know what Max would have done. We had a pitcher come in this summer that uh, had a really good year last year that came in, and uh, he had people that offering him deals. And um, we don't have any NIL money, NIL money right now. So um, talk to coaches around the country. Um, they're, they're taking the NIL money, the scholarship money. You take the privates. Look at the top 25. How many private schools are in the top 25? Why? They have need-based pay aid. They have academic aid. They have scholarships. They have NIL money. They have the Alston money. And I have dental coaches around the country that tell me every one of their players is on a full ride, some form of a full ride between all these sources of money. Wow. And we're trying to operate on 11.7 scholarships. And try to here. beat those guys. Yeah, and then you're dealing. Got the draft also. Yeah. Got the draft that's moved to the third week in July. You can sign players till August first. You got the month of the transfer portal in the summer. You don't know till August first even who's going to be on your roster and whether you're going to have enough money to retain the roster that you have. Yeah. And so talk about changes. Um, before you used to go out. I can remember, probably, almost half of my career we didn't start. Recruiting guy, we didn't sign guys until the spring of their senior year. Yeah. Now the kids are making commitments when they're sophomores in high school. Yeah. Um, so the re- whole re- recruiting piece has changed dramatically. Yeah. So we have to find kids that want to wear the M, that want to play in this program, trust that we can help them. Uh, number one, you know, reach their potential as a baseball player, get a quality degree from a great institution, prepare them for the next 50 years of their life. Guys that want to stay close to home, where they am, they want to add value to this program. That's the guys that we're going to get. We're not gonna, if we get into the national recruiting game here with all these factors at play, including the weather and the stadiums and, you know, the home games and the regionals they host, that's, yeah. a, t- that's a tough battle. It's and tough. Uh, it's, 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 just, it's, it's, it's just what it is. I'm not complaining. It, it is what it is. I think we have to understand who we are and what we have about. And I think as you pick the next coach here, I think you got to look at all these different things and, and uh, who's going to have the skill set to, to coach at Minnesota with the challenges that we have and the opportunities that we have here. Because uh, you can't change the weather. Yeah. Right? You can't change the weather unless you can come up with some NIL money, right? Um, A lot. Um, That's a factor. Um, No question about it. And it doesn't look like the season is going to move into the summer anytime soon that I spent my whole career trying to get done. We got close a couple of times and then the pandemic came along and a couple of things happened. 9-11 happened when Jim Delaney was headed to meet with some of the top commissioners on that day when 9-11 and uh, to have that proposal discussion. And then that That was to shift the the season season into the summer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, I don't think football coaches would put up that they're going to play less home games than everybody else. Right. Yeah. You know, right. Exactly. Um, exactly. I've coached a lot more road games in my career than I have home games. Substantially no, no more. And then you got, you know, even this year, right, the Vikings decide they want to put turf in. <laughs> at a time when maybe there were some other options to allow. Yeah, that was know. when we found out. The first time I heard about it was middle of March last year. We had a whole schedule planned in there, Cambria College Classic planned in there. And now you're saying, okay, um, we tried to get, we tried to fight them on it for a number. I won't get into all the details, but yeah. now you got to say, what am I going to do for a schedule? And then I said, I can't. I got to the end of May and I said, this isn't going to change. I got to get a hold of my opponents. I can't wait till the fall. They're going to have to find somebody to play. We have to find somebody to play. And so we're lucky we got the schedule we did. We yeah. could find people to play. But crisscrossing the country, west, east, west, east, yeah. you know, west, yeah. you know, southwest, southeast. So, yeah, and time zone changes. And so I think uh, that's going to be the challenge is keep the players healthy and, uh, you know, get their rest and yeah. some of those things. All right. Well, let me uh, mention real quick here, one of our sponsors. We want to thank Affinity Plus, your local credit union, proudly serving Minnesota since 1930. If you're a current Gopher student or a proud Gopher alum, you are eligible to join this financial that wants to build a meaningful bank and relationship and put you first. You can meet with a local employee at any of their branches statewide, including right off campus here in Minneapolis. To learn more or find other ways to connect, go to the webpage. It's affinityplus.org slash gophers. That's affinityplus.org slash Go Gophers. They have a mobile app that's an award winner as well. You can check it out. Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. We thank them for their support of the Go Gopher podcast. We're here with the legendary John Anderson, 14 as uh, people around here call him. All right, well, we've we've talked about uh, the season ahead uh, in general terms and about how it impacts you. Uh, let's talk about the team itself. You mentioned a little bit about the pitching. Um, forecast for us a little bit uh, what you think of this 2024 Gold and go for unit? Well, uh, based on what I've witnessed here in fall and winter practice, I definitely think that we have, uh, we're better uh, from a talent standpoint and from an experience standpoint. I think the challenge also today that we've gone through since the pandemic is the extra year of eligibility everybody got. Um, the transfer portal, there's been a, and the draft getting reduced to 20 rounds and 42 less minor league teams. The, the age of the college baseball player over the last two, two or three years in college baseball has been incredible. Lots of 23- and 24-year-olds that have 225 to 40 innings pitched in Division I, 800 college at-bats. We played Mississippi last year in our tournament. I remember after the game, and they had a lineup. Full, they won the national championship the year before, and they had a lineup of guys, some returning, guys out of the portal. I went back and looked at how many career Division I at-bats they had, and they had like th over 3,000 in their lineup. And I looked at ours, we had 1,200. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So, that's the other thing that's changed. I don't think the talent level in college baseball the last few years has ever been higher because of the things I mentioned. And so if you're going to compete in our own league or nationally at all, you got to have experience. And uh, I think we're finally getting to the point where we have enough guys that have played enough, uh, both in Division One baseball and summer baseball, had enough player development time now that I think I can see us making a shift to where we can be more competitive, a little more consistent in terms of executing the fundamentals of the game. People have made adjustments in terms of the competitive environment and how to manage their experiences and their emotions and deal with adversity and failure, all the things you have to go through. And that's why I say it takes a couple years for players uh, to figure it out, and then hopefully you get a couple good years out of them, and I think we're at that stage. Uh, we're healthy on the mound except for the two guys I mentioned, the two Tommy John guy, freshman last year, TGA, 
T.J. Egan and, and uh, Sam Kennedy. Sam Kennedy's further along. T.J.'s not quite ready. He's not ready to come back and help us, but Sam will help us. He was a Gatorade Player of the Year his, his senior year in high school. He can help us this year. It's going to be a slow process to build him up, but um, you know, I think we're just we're, we're healthier all the way around on the mound. We have more depth. Uh, we picked up uh, three players out of the transfer portal. Because of the injuries we had on the mound, we had to protect ourselves, didn't know who was going to be able to come back. Big loss last year was Will Sim, who didn't pitch at all, was one of our big arms, had a shoulder issue. Uh, he's back. He's, he's, I've never seen him pitch better than he has in practice, so he'll be one of our starters. That's a real plus. Tucker Novotny was our Friday guy last year, did a really good job for us as a sophomore, kept us competitive in most games, gave us a chance. You know, he'll be a junior now. He has that experience, went out and pitched a little bit in the Cape this summer, Cape Cod League, uh, and then Connor uh, uh, Wheatgriff, uh, who was uh, our big left-hander out of the bullpen last year, who came from junior college, Prior Lake young man, um, is uh, really had a, a good year last year, and he's, in my opinion, he's improved from last year, and he's got a chance to be a high draft. He'll be one of our starters, and uh, you know, so I, I, I think we've added some pieces. I think a Seth Clausen, who's going to be a junior now, has finally found his way on the mound. Will probably be a back end of our bullpen now, as well. And you know, Chris Hokinson is a two-way guy for us, left-handed pitcher, outstanding defender in right field. He's had enough at-bats. He's going to pitch more for us this year, especially with the loss of Rooney, a left-handed pitcher. He's going to have to pick up some of that space. So I, I, th I think we have more depth on the pitching staff. We have more options. We ordered a left-handed pitcher from Oregon State, uh, Justin Thornsteinson, um, that uh, is going to help us. Um, Tommy Gross from Creighton, uh, a young man that uh, we really feel like can help us and probably be – you know, play four games, two weekends, probably be one of our starters as, as, as well. And then Nick Argento from Wyzetta has been at North Carolina. He's been hurt his whole career. He's finally healthy, starting to find his way. I think Nick will get better as he pitches more. He hasn't pitched any Division One baseball, but there's stuff there. Uh, I think he can add some, some depth to our roster as well. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's pieces there in our team here, uh, pitching-wise, that we can have a deeper and more talented pitching staff, which to me is the most important part of the game. And we got to play better defense than we did last year. We have to play better defense than we did last year. You can't win at this level unless you can play defense and, uh, and throw strikes. And I think those are the two things. I think we have five or six guys in the lineup that have enough experience that uh, we, we can put together a productive lineup, but we got to be able to eliminate the freebies, the free bases. We got to throw strikes and play good defense. And I think we'll, uh, I think we'll be able to put together an offense that can, can 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 win some games for us. Yeah, you mentioned the offense and the batting order, and and uh, you know putting that together, you can catch and throw on the defense and pitch and throw strikes. So then score some runs. How are you going to score some runs? What do you got? What do you like about the? We have the athleticism. Line? I really okay. like the athleticism in our team. I think you're going to see us run. I think you're going to see us put some pressure on the offense. I think you're going to see us do some of those things because I think we have enough guys with some speed and athleticism. I think we're going to try to steal some bases. I think we'll utilize the short game some, get guys in motion, do some different things. So I think we have a very athletic team, and we're going to have to use our athleticism on offense to generate runs. Going to have to be run the bases well, be able to take the extra base when we can, advance a base on balls in the dirt, different things where we can uh, move guys around the bases. And... Um, 
you know, so I, I think the, the question is going to be are, how much power are we going to hit for? Um, we'll have to see how that develops as the year goes along. But I think uh, uh, I do think the athleticism to me jumps out at us. Uh, Brady Council's a junior now, very athletic, good base stealer. You know, we lost Brett Bateman, the top of our lineup that was really a dynamic player who got drafted and signed. And and uh, so he's a loss for us. But, um, you know, I think we have some people in that lineup. Jake Perry's a junior now. And uh, um, so he's, he's, in my opinion, ready to make the next step in his career at third base. Um, um, so we got to settle on the shortstop position. Right now, Ike Mazinga uh, played a lot there last year, him and Jake Larson. I think um, we still have a battle going on there. I'm not sure that position has got to settle down defensively. So I think whoever plays the best defense, really been impressed with the freshman we brought in from Cold Spring, Jack Spanier, shortstop, who's a... Quarterback out there, basketball player, three-sport guy, athletic, had a chance to go to St. John's and, and be a quarterback there, very athletic. Um, he's been he's going to press he's going to press for some time there, and uh, but I I think whoever plays the best defense is going to win that position, and I think they've all improved over the fall and winter, and um, uh, it's going to be an interesting battle there to see how that plays out. Um, right now, I think Ike will get the first opportunity out there, but. Uh, between Jake Larson and Jack Spanier, we're going to try to find the guy that can play the best defense for us. Kyle Bork is back, a fifth-year senior that started to find his way at the end of last year. His player development has really been hurt by the pandemic, the loss of games and practices and all the things he's gone through in his career. He really came on at the end of last year. He's had a good fall and winter, first baseman, got some power. Uh, he might be one of the surprises. And then Sam Hunt behind the play, a switch hitter. We lost him last March. He went to Vanderbilt out of high school, St. Louis Park kid. Worked his way back here. This is his second year back here. Busted his finger last year. We lost him from March for the rest of the year. He's a switch hitter. Really improved since last year. He's hardly played any college baseball. Uh, I think he has a chance to be a surprise for us. He'll share the catching duties with uh, Weber Niels, who was probably our best freshman last year. Had a really good year for a freshman. Played first base and caught. I think those two guys will share the catching responsibility. So... I'm encouraged by some of the options that we have. Yeah, very good. Well, I always like to uh, mention when you get the chance, um, maybe there's some Twins fans that are going to be in Fort Myers here in a couple weeks. They'll get a chance to see your team, and that's always got to be a fun uh, event down at uh, at Hammond Stadium. I guess that'd be, what, the 23rd, is that right? Yeah, the 23rd, yeah. 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 Every two years, you know, yeah. the Twins have been a uh, you know, tremendous help to this program, the, the, the Polad family and Dave St. Peter, the entire organization. They've been so helpful to us over the years and supported this program and give us the opportunity to play this exhibition game every two years. What a treat for the kids, especially many of them are Twins fans, right? And uh, to play that game and, and uh, it's a special way for us to celebrate our partnership and relationship and trying to foster and grow amateur baseball in the upper Midwest. And it seems like when, you know, when the, the dome went down that year, the first call I got was from Dave St. Peter, and how can we help you? They let us play over at Target Field. Um, so, I mean, I think it's we've had a great relationship. Started way back with Dick Siebert and Kelvin Griffith. The Griffith family were very close. So there's been a long time history and partnership between the two organizations that uh, uh, I think has uh, served uh, amateur baseball, but uh, I know they've helped our program a great deal, and, and uh, we're fortunate because not every major league team would treat you know a college program the way the twins have their first class in so many ways. So it should be a fun evening again to to, to play that exhibition game and, and celebrate our partnership and our special relationship we share. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, it's uh, Arizona this week, so enjoy the uh, sunshine and uh, the competition, and it'll be fun to get the uh, season uh, going.
Thank you, Mike. It's always a pleasure to be with you. All right, there he is. He's the legend, John Anderson. It's episode 108. My thanks to Gopher baseball coach John Anderson for joining me on this week's Go Gopher podcast, episode 108. A busy week for him. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the upcoming season and John's decision to step away at the end of it as much as I enjoyed hearing from him. The team goes to Arizona this weekend, and before you know it, there'll be home games on campus soon. Episode 108 is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com. We're also partnered with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, a locally member-owned full-service financial invested in you. You can learn more at affinityplus.org slash gogophers. That's affinityplus.org slash gogophers. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts, and right now, please click that subscribe button to the go go for podcast it's free to subscribe and free to listen at any time and please share the link to this podcast with others so they can subscribe and listen as well we'll talk again next week 